0: and welcome to The Campaigns, the actual play podcast from the RPG Academy. I am Michael and this is a special edition of The Campaigns, Burning the Wicker Man, episode number two, Rolling Toward Extremes. You might remember that what makes this a special bonus series of The Campaigns is that we are being DM'd by Chris Matney himself, the founder and managing director of Trapdoor Technologies that is currently kickstarting Codename Morningstar. So please take a moment to follow the links in the show notes over to their project page, give it a review, and hopefully you'll find a pledge level that you are comfortable with. Because I really want to see this thing happen. I've had the chance to use uh, Code Name Morningstar a couple different times when it was dedicated to the D&D 5th Edition, and it's really slick and really cool. So in our first episode, Private Stash of Weapons, our characters had their call to adventure. They met up at the East India Company air docking station where the Cronobell, which is basically a Icar-powered airship, and found their way onto the ship. We had just got past security with a stash of weapons hidden on the vicar's body. And now we are going to begin our investigations to try to find out what exactly the Haunting Hand wants with the Cronobell. So here is the campaign's Burning the Wicker Man episode number two rolling toward extremes.
1: Okay, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the bulldog's name is DC.
3: <laughs> I, have, I have awesome persuasion, but I'm not going to be able to persuade. Uh,
1: Do I have uh, knowledge or mythos
3: or knowledge of cult that might help me on the bulldog?
1: The bulldog is mechanical, so it's not a cult. Um, you notice that the, the nose of the bulldog is actually very a very finely perforated extension, and it's now growling at you. Padre, do you uh, are you carrying any weapons by any chance?
3: So, 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 uh, but before anybody says that, I I will lean down to the dog, and uh, you know, gently pat its nose and say, "Oh, what a marvelous contraption! This would be so useful on the hunts that we go on." I, by, you know, yesterday afternoon, we, we were out foxing, and I I would have loved to have had a little mechanical creature like this. Pray tell. what what do they cost? Is 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 this a uh, something an average? Anglican gentlemen, such as myself, could could put my hands on, and, and I uh, rub my hands on its nose, and uh, hope that that uh, the implication gets across, and I'll roll persuasion uh, certainly. But I'm really hoping the notion gets across to them that that obviously I must have picked up gunpowder all over my hands from going on my shooting sport yesterday.
1: Oh, I'm afraid these are not for sale, sir. These are these are strictly property of the East India Company, but. They uh, they're not infallible. I uh, go ahead and give me a persuasion roll on the guard. That's a ten. Yes. Yeah. Hunting is hunting is difficult. If I could just do a, a a very quick pat down, it will be very professional. Um, I'm uh required to do it by 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 contract to make sure that we we don't have any guns coming on board. Is is that okay, Vector?
3: Why? Yes, my son. Please, feel free. And and I uh, you know, I I. I put my legs together and spread my arms wide as I would on the cross.
1: <laughs> Outstanding. Um, the uh, the pat-down is fairly, well, superficial, certainly not a detailed cavity search uh, of any sort, and with the location of the gun, it d- d- doesn't even get close to you. Um, the The dog continues to growl at you, though. He goes, oh, you must have been hunting. Yes, he's picking up residue on your uh, on your cassock, and uh, I'm sure that's it. Enjoy your ride. And the uh, the door behind them opens up. Alfred
4: will just head on, passing through security if there's no problems.
1: Okay. So you pass through the the uh, the back the, a short hallway that leads back sort of to the very back of the uh, of the the, uh, the grand hall. And the entire width is a boarding platform with four large curved doors spaced along the wall. And the one nearest to is open, and Zoe's there. And you can see the glass walls of the elevator that go up to the Corona Bell. Um, You see two more young women standing ready to assist others on their way. And as you're looking, the there's a stairway at the back of the boarding flat platform that leads to the upper walkway. And the stairs are wide, made of marble with these ornate niches filled with you know, some classic Greek god statues, and there's guards on either side. And coming down the stairs is that man in, of Eastern European descent, and he's speaking with a officer, and you look at his insignia and realize that it's the first officer of the Kronibel, a man in his late 30s with thinning brown hair and blue eyes. And he's dressed in a smart white uniform, and they're heading right towards you.
0: So I want to try to eavesdrop, see if I can hear what they're saying. Okay,
1: so uh, go ahead and give me a a roll for... That notice? Yeah.
0: It helps when you roll the right die. I got a six on my notice rolls, Chris.
1: Wilcox is just sort of going on and on, gushing about communications. Well, we're very hopeful that our research with Nikola Tesla will provide us with wireless telegraph capabilities, but but so far the range has proven to be inadequate. Once we're airborne, we're effectively out-of-ground communication until we reach the dock at Tintagel. He's just going on and on and on. And the, uh, the Russian-looking fellow uh, is just kind of nodding his head, and Wilcox says, So, Mr. Finch, is this your first trip? And he just sort of nods his head, and it's clear that Wilcox is, is somewhat uh, uncomfortable with the fact that uh, he's not saying anything, but he's sort of playing the part of the uh, the good ship's officer. The doors are open. Zoe's there, and Zoe says, "Come on in, gentlemen. You need to get to the airship. It's time, time to take off." And Finch and Wilcox both get on the uh, the elevator, and they're kind of watching you to
0: see if you're going to get on. Yeah, Yeah. I see no reason not to.
1: Yeah, Alfred will get on. Okay. As you're as you're uh, riding up into the elevator, you notice that Mr. Finch is kind of looking at each of you. May. Maybe a glimpse of sort of suspicion. Are you going to, to try to engage him in any way while he's uh, while you're writing up? So you're in these glass tubes. You're going up to the to the, the gondola of the Kronobell, and uh, the first officer is filling the awkward silence mostly with chatter about this and that.
3: I am far too interested in the grandeur of the view to engage anyone in something so pithy as conversation. <laughs>
1: outstanding
0: um i will show these these men my mask as well and i'm trying to play up the american almost like a tourist you know really kind of laying on some of the colloquialisms pretty thick and coming across almost like a heck and be like golly look at this mask i just bought it's got green eyes and just see if i can just basically make them feel like i'm an idiot and but also maybe learn what these what this does too because i'm also very curious i really do want to know what these this mask does
1: Okay, so uh, give me a persuasion roll just to sort of get through the uh, the process.
0: Okay, so again, I don't have anything that's specifically persuasion, so does that default to something else, or is that the D4 minus 2 default?
1: It's a D4 minus 2 default, right.
0: I'm getting very lucky. I got a 6 on my wild die, and a 3, 9, minus 2 would be a 7. Wow. So
1: you can see that... Uh, that Mr. Finch is, is repulsed by your act. And Wilcox, although probably feeling that you're not quite to his social level, is being the good, dutiful uh, employee and engaging you with you and talking to you about the mask and said, oh, what a wonderful clockwork mask and it's ticker-powered. I bet you can see a long way from, with that and when you kind of, Put the mask up to your face you realize that indeed the lenses seem to be magnifying lenses of some sort although to get the full effect you need to put the mask on okay
0: again trying to play up somewhat of my ignorance i won't actually do that i'll hold it up more like binoculars and then i'll start looking out um the, the cityscape and again just trying to be enough of a distraction that that not that, to relay the suspicion okay
1: so you guys uh you, you've sort of done that is anyone else trying anything else In the in the uh, elevator going up.
4: I don't want to do anything specifically, but I would certainly be sizing up this Russian guy just to get a feel for him. But I I wouldn't be pushing myself to take any outward action.
1: Okay. So go go ahead and give me one final notice. Well, as you get to the very top and the doors open up into the gondola. I've got five for notice. Anyone beat a five?
3: Yes, I aced one of my dice, so I have uh, 11.
1: Ah, uh, an 11, excellent. So as Mr. Finch is getting off the elevator or the uh, the tube, you notice that as he turns his coat opens a bit and he's got a sidearm in a holster and you're pretty much you're pretty sure that he now has recognized at least one of you because he's, he's glancing sort of between the faces as if he's trying to make some sort of uh, of a uh, of a a determination of who you are. As you get to the top, and he immediately you know, sort of pops out of the tube, as does the first officer, you get out of the, uh, the, uh, the gangway, you find yourself in a very short flight of stairs leading up to the landing platform. And at the top, you're in this luxurious mahogany-paneled room, thick, luxurious carpeting, brass fixtures. In front of you, two hostesses smile pointing towards two open double doors on either side of the room. The lounges are open for your enjoyment and viewing pleasure. The bars are located in the stern. A lady's toilet is starboard, and a gent's toilet is port. These are located at the aft of the lounges and are spacious and modern. If you sign up to go aloft on one of our tours, please meet right back here near the lifts at your appointed time. If you need anything, 13 of us are aboard as staff to help you meet your every need. Enjoy your magical ride on the Corona And so... The first officer moves straight ahead through a small, unmarked door, and you can see that he's entering the bridge of the ship that's just beyond. And he immediately, he kind of waves on, enjoy your flight, and then he closes the door behind him. Mr. Finch is moving to the north through uh, the double doors and into the lounge. What would you guys like to do?
4: Where was the tour for the, the first one that we signed up for?
1: The tour is going to be starting You're to be right back where you are right now in just a few minutes because you're going to be taking the tour as the Chronobel lifts off and leaves London.
0: So is there, now that we're airborne, security is no longer checking people in, is there any chance that we could wrangle up one of them clockwork dogs? Because I think we're going to be sniffing for gunpowder or explosives ourselves shortly. Um, you're asking whether or not there are any clockwork dogs here. Yeah, I mean, we went through security. Did they come on board with us, or did they stay on the ground? Oh, no, they
1: stayed on the ground. You came up with only uh, the first officer, Mr. Finch, and uh, yourselves. Actually, Zoe went back down in the tube, so she is now back on the ground as well.
0: Okay, I was just thinking that might be a a way to find that. So, Okay, so the two of you that are going on the tour first— Obviously, be looking for any nondescript brown packages that are near structural supports. Uh, and uh, James and I will be mingling around and see if we can figure out if there's anybody here that doesn't need to be or shouldn't be, I should say.
3: So we, if, if we have a couple of minutes before the um, the tour, I mean, uh, obviously, I should, uh, you know, it's better to go empty. It may be a long tour. And uh, my, my great friend has, has had a number of pints. He doubtlessly needs to uh, void himself. And I, I linger a little bit at, at the entryway to the uh, communal John, implying everyone else should come. And uh, we take adjoining stalls and distribute our weaponry amongst the group.
1: <laughs> Outstanding. So you go through the, the uh, portside double doors into the lounge and... The excess of the gangway is. It continues into the lounge. There's tables, comfortable leather chairs. There's two tiers to the room, providing everybody this big marvelous view through the glass windows, which frame the entire outer edge of the room. Floor to ceiling and sort of canted at an angle, the windows allow you to see the, the London skyline, the docks below. The skies are gray and overcast, but you see a few last rays of sunshine as the, uh, the sun is going down. All the passengers are pushed up against the windows looking out. Basically, you know, you're unnoticed as you go into the room. Near the rear of the lounge, you see a, a room or a door that swings open, and a waiter is bringing out hors d'oeuvres. Just beyond that is a bar, and the door to the, to the loo is just next to that. You see Mr. Finch walk directly uh, down the room, sort of look back towards you, and go through the swinging doors that the waiter just came through. They close, and you guys go off to the uh, to the to, to the loo to to sort of uh, uh, distribute your, your your weaponry.
0: Anything else? I want to take a look at the passengers to see if anyone isn't really looking out the windows. If there's somebody who doesn't seem to be interested by that, other than maybe the waitstaff who might be familiar. But are there any normal guests on the ship that are not too excited about it? Okay,
1: everybody, give me a notice roll.
4: Five for Alfred.
1: Six for Spook. Five for James. The passengers in the port, ga- uh, the port uh, lounge, they all seem to be really into it. Uh, there are several families here with smaller children. There's a, a number of, of very rich elderly patrons, um, but pretty much without exception, they're all pushed up against the window, except two. Thin old men who are standing at the bar and they're drinking some sort of a pink gin cocktail, which uh, they've got some uh, uh, pastry puffs between them, and they seem to be engaged in chatting about the uh, the gin and the cocktails and how cute Zoe was uh, down when they were uh, checking into the, the shop. They seem completely uninterested in the, the actual uh,
0: events that are going on outside. All right, I'll notice that, and then once we've we've gotten our guns distributed, I'll actually go to the bar near them and get a drink and just kinda listen to them talk for a bit.
1: Okay. Um, They're both English, um, and they seem to know each other, or uh, probably are traveling together, as you would guess, and they are simply talking about drinks and, and women, the same things we all talk about at the bar, they don't seem to be looking around. They don't seem to be trying to, uh, to scout the area out. They seem very intent on their own little personal conversations.
3: I, I'm going to try and glance into the kitchen to see if I can see where our, our uh, singular quarry has uh, disappeared to. Do, do, do they seem to be lingering in the kitchen area? Is, is, uh, can I get any uh, glance of them, or do I get the impression that, that uh, there's a door behind that door that, that they've proceeded through while we were in, in the loop?
1: As you look through the swinging doors, uh, you actually look into a hallway and uh, there's a set of swinging doors You would assume that lead to the uh, starboard lounge directly across from you. And another set of doors that lead into a kitchen area, you can hear the sounds of food being prepared and a, a, a door on the other side. So it sort of sort of forms a cross, um, that's closed. And as soon as you open the door, the bartender kind of leans out and goes, although oh, those are private sir, you're not allowed to go through there. You'll need to go, and use the main doors to the lounge. Uh, only staff are allowed back uh, in the kitchen area.
3: Ah, thank you, my son.
1: So you hear a, a young woman calling out First tour, first tour. We have two spots left if anybody wants to go on the tour.
3: Oh, the DM's offering us a second chance to not split the party. Do we take it?
0: <laughs> uh, let's say yes. <laughs>
3: He says as he shook his head. Now, good.
1: Okay, so the uh, I I think at this point we have Micah and Roby signed up for the tour. Um, Are you going back to the uh, the entranceway where the the the, uh, tubes lead up to the uh, to the interior of the the ship?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Okay. And what are the other two?
0: So Micah and I will also attend the first tour. I've had a change of heart about that. Okay, so you all uh, gather outside the uh, the uh, the
1: elevators, and there's two elevators that go up. Um, they're lifts that uh, ascend into the ship. So the gondola hangs down below the ship, and the, the lifts take you up. And uh, there's a guard dressed in a black suit. Now remember, folks, no smoking. Once you go up, you know, make sure that uh, you uh, you don't uh, spark because it's very explosive, very explosive, and please hold on to the handrail so you don't lose your balance and fall. And an elevator opens up, and there's an attendant there. He says, "Ah, more for the tour. Come on in, come on in." You get, you enter the 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 elevator. It tilts slightly, and it begins a slow ascent. So the four of you are in the elevator with the attendant. I assume you've distributed guns are all well hidden. Anything else that you're doing before you before we uh, move forward? No, not for me.
0: Maybe a quick prayer, (laughs) Padre.
1: (laughs) The elevator... (laughs) Incessant Americanism so intensely. The elevator tilts, tilts slightly and begins a slow ascent. As you get to the top, the doors open just in time to see a large woman getting into the adjacent elevators just across this little hallway from you. She's speaking loudly to several passengers about how she always gets seasick on the expensive cruises that she and her husband, the Viscount, take. And she's already feeling airsick. Good thing the doctor had some pills for her. The attendant, a young man with dark hair and thin, pinched face, presses the button for the doors to close. And a few seconds later, the lights go out. You hear a muffled scream from the second elevator, followed by a heavy thud. You can hear the attendant frantically pushing the button again and again, and the doors slowly open. It's dark, completely dark. You hear the sounds of the elevator doors across from you open as well. You feel sudden pulses of warm, sticky liquid. A fine spray is through those from a tube. A sharp, sweet scent fills the air. The darkness is palpable. The lights begin to flicker. In the opposite elevator, a young man hangs dangling from the handrail, his right hand clutching it in a death grip, held upright against the seat by the bulk of a second man. The hilt of a knife protrudes from the young man's chest. Slumped on the floor in a pool of blood is the Viscount's wife. She appears to be breathing. Suddenly, the young man gurgles, and the handrail slips from his grasp. That support lost, the victim and the murderer collapse on the floor. Everybody give me a horror save. That is a spirit roll. The target number is six. So spirit is one of your abilities. And you also get your wild die. Okay. Alfred has a four. Now remember, if you roll snake eyes, you need to tell me. Because that means I get to do fun things. You don't
0: have to tell him? Uh, I got a six. I'm, okay. I'm going
1: gonna, I'm gonna to spend a Benny.
4: Hold on a second here. <laughs> How many Bennies do we have? Three. Three. Ah, uh, all right. Alfred gets a six on the reroll.
2: I'm also going to use a Benny because originally I rolled a two, and I imagine that's not good.
3: <laughs> two, two counts of snake eyes. Doesn't that happen instantly? Can you unbenny
1: snake eyes? No, snake eyes. Snake eyes is fate is unkind. You can't roll any Bennies. A a two on the dice is fine as long as it's not snake eyes. Remember, you're rolling two dice, but you're taking the highest value, not adding them together. Okay, I have a seven. I like that better.
0: Is that everybody? What did you get, Scott? I didn't hear you. Six. Six. Okay, so everybody,
1: you, you've, you're you you're veterans of many, many murders. This is not something new. You knew when you could feel the, 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 the liquid as it sprayed on you and the, the, the sharp, sweet scent of blood. You knew exactly what was happening. The guard, however, uh, is just horrified. He... He y'all stay stay there. I'll, I'll get the doctor. And he runs. You're in the in this long hallway. He runs uh, towards the, the front of the ship to the fore to retrieve the doctor. And you're all just sort of standing there, looking at the looking at the body. There is the attendant from the other the other cart and this man who is uh, these the, these two dead men and the woman on the floor. Um, the Viscount's wife and she seems to be breathing but in a very labored sort of way.
0: Alright, so the first thing I want to do is sort of surreptitiously use the uh, Padre's robes to wipe the blood off my face. <laughs> and then I will go in and check on the woman to see if she is okay. Okay.
4: Just to back up one quick second, yep. we, saw, we saw her enter the other car. Right. Did we see who was in the car? in that elevator
1: car you could just see that there were a couple of figures in there but you couldn't you couldn't really make them out
4: um, and so th- then after the lights went out there's two dead guys and her
1: and correct there are two dead guys and her hmm. I would like to make the we
3: we have innocent people here so so I, I I would like to make a show of being extremely concerned about her and her well-being but uh, in reality, I would like to be looking for any pills that I find on her person. As as, we, we, as as was indicated that we overheard, she's been given some pills by the doctor. Maybe she had was given a supply of them to keep her air sickness down for the entirety of the trip. If there are extras of those, I would like to confiscate those to investigate later. Okay. Also, so... if she has anything that qualifies as loot, I'm uh, probably going to pocket it as I am
0: greedy.
1: <laughs> Outstanding. So you're off to to help the viscount's wife, who you very quickly find out is Mrs. Dimplington. And uh, what are the rest of you doing while while the uh, the viscount's wife is being taken care of?
2: I would like to investigate the uh, the dead man on the uh, on the wall. Is is that what I understood? He was stabbed and being held up, or is he slumped
1: on the floor now? They, they were suspended, and then they the, the grip sort of slipped. Because remember, there were the handholds that you were holding on to. Right. He was holding on to one. Clearly, his hand slipped, and now both both dead men have sort of crumpled together into a big pile.
2: Yes, I'd like to investigate
4: that pile.
1: Okay. And
4: I am going to start looking around the hallway trying to gather some clues about where a potential attacker might have been or come from or is still
1: hiding. Okay, so unlike the luxurious gondola, the ship aloft is all business. Stark gray gunmetal walls, metal scaffolding as a floor, fixtures are plain functional, bolted to girders via large screws, all the boxes, crates, doors are labeled with bright white letters, um, the floor under the scaffolding and the walls are rounded to give you the impression that you're sort of in this 30-foot diameter tube running the length of the ship. Doesn't look like from where you're at in the uh, in the ship that there's a lot of a lot of hiding places. Um, there's a set of doors just beyond where you are leading aft, and leading fore, it looks like it leads into a hallway with crew quarters, but. Um, you don't see anyone like lurking about or any doors that are suspiciously open. Mrs. Dimplington is crumpled on the floor. Clearly she's passed out. Clearly she is not dead. Quickly rifling through her pockets, you find a bottle of pills, and you also find a fat purse with about 120 quid in coins in it. She has a very nice wedding ring. She <laughs> also has a very luxurious necklace. She has a couple of other trinkets about her that look like they're all diamonds, rubies, emeralds, and real. So clearly the Viscount's wife is not hurting. Um, she is dressed as a ver- very much as a, a very wealthy member of the elite.
3: Well, uh, given that she's unconscious, uh, she'll eventually come too. She'd probably notice her missing wedding ring or her missing necklace. No, neither of those splayed off during her fall or collapse, did they?
1: No. No. No so uh, such. Sure.
3: They, they they may well have been sized to her when she was a slightly smaller woman. Uh, I, I think it's unlikely that uh, it would be easily explainable why she's missing them, but it may be easily explainable why uh, her purse, which came clattering down, seems to be a little bit lighter of coin than before, so I will... Uh, you know, lay her down comfortably and tend to her, and as I uh, recite in good old-fashioned Latin, uh, I, I will uh, surreptitiously move some of those coins into the fluffier folds and pockets of my robe, along with the bottle of pills.
1: Excellent. Excellent. For those of you looking at the, uh, the, the, the two figures, um, there is a young man who's wearing a dark suit and bowler hat, common for bankers and stockbrokers of the day. He has glasses, a handlebar mustache, and looks to be in his 30s. This appears to be um, the victim. The second figure is wearing a black suit and hat. and has a strange walking stick, those used by blind men nearby. He's wearing black, opaque spectacles. And you can hear sort of footsteps coming from the, uh, the fore of the ship as... Clearly, the uh, the guard is returning with the ship doctor. You have a little bit of time to do some investigation, but not a lot of time.
0: All right. I think those glasses and that cane need at least once a uh, once over by somebody.
1: Removing the blind man's glasses, uh, you see that he's not sightless; he's eyeless. Where his eyes could be are just empty, hollow sockets. Um, give me a knowledge medicine if anyone has it, or at a plus two, or just a notice roll
0: um, as you're sort of checking out the blind man? I got a seven on a straight notice roll.
2: I got... I aced it, and then I rolled a three. I aced it, I aced it again, and then I rolled a three, so... What's the total? Four plus four is three... is... uh, ten. Eleven. No, eleven. Wow. Okay, good. I've had a good day.
1: Yeah, I would say so. Well... (laughs) You, you notice quite a bit more. You, you, the, the blind man is dead, and there's blood all over the place, but you can't see a wound on him anywhere. The blood is plainly the other the victims. The other thing that's odd is as you're sort of rifling around through him, you notice that his limbs are stiff with rigor mortis, and that's probably why they were still upright when the, uh, when the elevators opened. But it's clear that the, I mean, this would happen many, many hours after death. So clearly something was going on beforehand. You just happen to know a little bit about lividity, and uh, you know the blood shouldn't have clotted yet. No putrefaction started. You know this guy should be not not in this state. Um, So you see no identifying papers, no clothes. His clothes don't have any labels. No pockets with you know incriminating evidence. Just his ticket. No money, no matches, no lint, nothing. So the uh, the blind man is, that's what the blind man is.
3: Could I roll uh, knowledge occult, knowledge mythos, to understand, to, to check if I've heard of anything about uh, some being that slowly rots its host body uh, from the outside, but then is capable of jumping body to body? Maybe with a sacrifice? Do I honestly suspect that the entity that had Uh, cause trigger mortis on this person may be now inhabiting our unconscious wealthy heiress. It seems like a positive switch you'd make.
1: Yeah, give me a roll. Knowledge, uh, knowledge, uh, mythos, knowledge, uh, occult, either would do. Uh, That's uh, 11. There are tales of skin jumpers uh, or skin walkers who are capable of moving with a touch from person to person, but nothing in the tales that the skin walkers has ever talked about sightlessness or uh, rigor mortis being set in uh, usually it's a very quick transfer of uh, the creature leaving the victim if you will completely not remembering what has happened and sort of a blank in the memory um, certainly you're reading a, a case from the uh, the files earlier and that was the description so you don't you don't think that that would be probably the, the, the most likely explanation for this uh particular set of uh of clues
0: so if the blind guy wasn't the murderer because he was already dead there's a dude that's dead the only other person in the tube that we know of is the heiress or the portly woman who's now feigning unconsciousness is there any signs of her that would indicate that she actually did it blood splatters you know grooves in her hand where she held a knife anything that made me think that she actually did this
1: uh, give me an investigation roll, if you've got investigation as a skill. Um, I do, do not. Okay, then just give me a. go ahead and give me a die 4 minus 2,
0: and you get your wild die. Uh, that's going to be a negative 1 or a 1?
1: You know, no. Oh. There's blood to the place. Nope, yep, she's uh, clearly right, not guilty. Right now you're wondering why the vicar is fondling her necklace <laughs> and... Has sort of like moved his fingers to the clasp, and he's kind of rubbing it back and forth.
2: <laughs> is uh is there like a um an access like above or below like like in modern elevators to get into this uh room like that? Maybe someone came in,
1: did the deed, and slipped out type of thing. A quick look shows you that that the uh, the ceilings and the floors are both solid in the elevator. Aha. Uh-huh. Um. Could I? Try to use a mythos
2: roll or something to see if this blind person was uh, maybe a, uh, for lack of a better word, a flesh golem or, or something, uh, something already dead, uh, some sort of zombie or, or something that was used as a uh, as a person and then his 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 services unnecessary, so the spell is no longer activated. Give me a roll.
3: All right. Is there a detect oh. zombie skill?
2: Yes, I have it. It's skills, detect, and then in the, in the the parentheses it says zombies. So I can only assume that's what this is for. I rolled a three. So, yay. Benny. <laughs> Benny? <laughs> All right, I'll Benny that. Okay. Uh, let's do it again. I aced. I aced. I got a 17. Seventeen,
1: really? Seriously,
2: seriously. I, I'm, I'm glad to be using actual dice for once in my life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the, um, the application wouldn't have ever given you that many sixes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The, uh, the strangest thing. You were just in the, uh, in the library, and you were talking with uh, one of the members of the, of the King of Clubs, and this exact topic came up and indeed the use of zombies as sort of minions of evil is 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 fact it is not fiction and you think that uh, in fact the eyes that are missing are somewhere and through those eyes whoever controls the zombie is able to see what's going on when it's and you believe that once it's accomplished its mis- mission Fell is over and is merely a dead guy. So footsteps are coming close. And you hear the doctor and the officer discussing what's going on. Terrible accident, terrible accident. You still have the victim. And you notice that he has three stab wounds, the last one directly through his heart. You see the shaft of of a dagger sticking through the third wound. You also notice that there's a letter sort of stuck in his pocket that you see a corner of it poking out, and you probably have time to try a, uh, a quick grab if you want to try to grab either the knife or the weapon, or, or the letter. Uh, is that something that my stealth would
4: cover being a thief and a burglar? Yes.
0: Well, I think the knife, if that goes missing, there might be some questions. Uh, The letter, probably not so much.
4: Well, here's what I'll do. I will make a grab for the letter. If, by some miracle, my roll might be high enough that I could miraculously pocket both of them, we'll see what happens. Okay. Give me your roll. Now, since my stealth is... um, a D eight plus two. Do I add the two to the wild die or just the D eight? Uh,
1: the D eight as both the plus two is to both the D eight and the uh, oh, wild. gotcha. I got a
2: four. <laughs> Should I tell you to Benny like you told me to Benny? Yeah.
0: I don't know b- when b- these b- b-
2: b- Bennies. I don't know when these Bennies yeah. come back. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When you do something awesome, so maybe never.
4: My feet. <laughs> wow. My faith pride will not let me. So, fail so badly. Hey, there we go. That's a nine.
1: Outstanding. So you are easily able to take the letter. Uh, you notice that it's a personal correspondence. Uh, it's got you know, an address and a stamp on it, and it has been postmarked. Um, and you kind of just slip it into your pocket very quickly. As you begin to pull the knife out, you notice that it's got this plain circular guard, and as you pull it out, the hilt is actually square. So um, or the blade is actually squared. The hilt the is fine copper wire wrapped over an iron tang. The pommel is globular and smooth, except for this sort of encircling relief with a stylized ser- serpent. And the weapon has this triangular blade. It's curiously tapered. looks more like a spearhead than an ordinary knife and all the edges are very sharp. So it's a very odd-looking odd, odd looking, uh, weapon. Um, as soon as you touch it, you notice that the metal has this unpleasant, slimy sheen and touched, and it gets you a feeling of, of sort of unclean. Give me a horror save that's a spirit roll, and the target number for you is a four.
0: I had that same feeling when I got my gun from the Padre.
4: <laughs> uh, okay so you said a spirit roll target four correct
1: spirit is one of your abilities and oh
4: all right uh, I aced my ability roll uh, so nine total
1: okay so it's it's creepy uh, it's clearly not a mundane weapon it is very unusual you now have an instantaneous choice of... Put it back or put it in your pocket. Pocket. Okay. So you slip it in your pocket just as the doctor arrives, and his name is Dr. Perez. Um, the, the poor attendant looks you know, as white as a sheep. Uh, Perez is a short man, thin, early 40s. He has a very thick accent, which marks marks him as Portuguese. Uh, his English is excellent. He's got his officers white, and he's a small medical bag. Um, and the first thing he, he does is uh, when he arrives is he tells Master Wharton to find the commander, straighten up, lad, look casual, no need to frighten the guest now. Go find the commander and bring him here, and immediately it starts attending to Mrs. Dimplington, although he's kind of looking around to try to assess what's what's happening. Anyone going to do anything? I,
0: I think at this point we should just sort of back away um, you know, we don't really need to be here. We, we have what we need from the crime scene, as far as I can tell. Um, or at least back far enough away that we can kind of have a conversation. My thought and until we've read that letter uh, is what we were told by Timothy is that there would be sacrifices needed. So especially with that unholy dagger, maybe this was a sacrifice. There's a lot of blood on the ground. So that might just be part of the process.
1: Okay. Anyone else? It's the best thing I can think
3: of
4: for right now, so I'll go along with the plan.
3: I'll I'll support them having their little conversation by making extremely idle uh, chat and uh, you know uh, religious machinations over the around the doctor and over the the body of the slain.
1: Excellent. Okay. Doctor Perez opens his bag and pulls some stuff out and tries to get Mrs. Dimplington to wake up, rubbing you know sort of waving some ammonia under her. Uh, her nose, and eventually she stirs, and he's saying, "We need to get we need to get her to the, the medical bay. Will someone help her to the medical bay while I wait for the commander? Everybody, give me a notice roll.
4: Snake eyes.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, visual notice roll. Yes. Okay, I got a five.
3: Okay, I got a three, but it wasn't snake eyes.
1: Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent." So um, the who who got the snake eyes? Oh, that was Alfred. I'm
4: very excited.
1: Excellent, excellent. So Alfred, you're uh, looking inside the the doctor's bag when he opens it, and you see what looks like a small voodoo doll uh, tucked inside the, the the medical bag, and it's filled with with needles. So you know, poked with needles, if you will. And as you're kind of looking at it, it starts to move. And you're pretty much pretty much convinced absolutely <laughs> that the voodoo doll has seen you and is coming towards you. And as a result, you stand up and you scream, and you start running towards the after-the-ship as fast as you can.
0: What are the rest of you going to do? Doll! Voodoo doll! Voodoo doll! And you run. He just remembered he had a dentist appointment.
4: I feel
2: like I would I would go after him and and try to stop him from doing something uh that I found silly like uh jumping out or uh <laughs> using the restroom without a toilet bowl cover
1: you know something like that. Okay.
0: One of you is following uh the uh the fleeing figure who I, what are the rest of you doing? I think uh the Padre and I are still there. He's still chatting up to the doctor. I got a really high roll on my notice that I see anything that didn't make me go crazy.
1: Um, You actually do see a voodoo doll in the bag. It's just lying there. It's got needles stuck in it. And uh, the doctor seems to be you know, completely oblivious to the fact that that you're looking in his bag. And he's kind of watching the uh, the retreating figure um, as he runs from, from the car. Who was it that, that got spooked? That was uh, me, Alfred. That was Alfred? Okay. Yep. You've got a knife. And you're now convinced that you've got to kill the voodoo doll. Whatever you do, you've got to kill the vo- It's got it's 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 got it's evil. It has to go. That makes sense. So you sort of spin around to draw your your, your knife out uh, to take care of this, and just about this time the other elevator opens up and the commander steps out along with Wharton. It looks like chaos is going to ensue. Mrs. Dimpleton is there, she's awake now. Um, there's two dead guys and uh, Roby has drawn his knife uh, and is going to charge back into the fray to kill the voodoo doll.
0: I like to think that I saw the voodoo doll and I noticed that the doctor wasn't really paying attention. So I was going to try to snatch it. And so I'm holding it and then Roby's actually coming at me with the knife and I don't quite understand why.
1: <laughs> okay. Give me an agility roll to uh, to make sure that you were able to get the voodoo doll. Seven. Okay, yeah, you easily snatched the voodoo doll out of the, the doctor's uh, the doctor's bag. The commander comes up and immediately yells, What's going on here, Roby? We're going to go into to melee. So um, so your initiatives are Spook, you have the Ace of Diamonds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vicar, you have the Six of Diamonds. Uh, Roby has the Ace of Clubs. Micah has the King of Diamonds. And... The Doctor and the Commander have the Six of Spades. Are
0: Aces high or low? Aces are always high. So Spook, it is your go with the Ace of Diamonds. All right, so I'm standing there. I've got the, the doll, and I'm I'm in the process of sort of secreting it into my jacket when I see Roby come charging back at me with a knife up. And so I'm just going to look at him somewhat dumbfounded. Do I know that he's attacking the doll, or do I think he's attacking me? Yes, All right. uh, I want to quickly step into the uh, elevator that just arrived, and then hit the door close button really fast, like I'm in a bad horror movie.
1: Okay. So uh, go ahead and give me another agility roll to see if you can uh, jump past the cap or the commander and into the elevator.
0: That's one one. That's a snake eyes. Yay. Thanks for attending the RPG Academy and listening to our podcast. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans, this podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize,
4: but we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash the RPG Academy and check out the rewards. We are providing for your monthly pledges. We will use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality.
0: And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out numerous ways. One, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes, or you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. Also, if you clear your cookies and then visit Amazon or DriveThruRPG through our portal, we get a kickback from your orders, and it doesn't cost you anything extra.
4: Just like an RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at vrpgacademy.com, or you can reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google+. We are there under Academy,
0: But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co host, Caleb G, at The Caleb G. And
4: you can find my favorite co host, Michael, at The
0: RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.